0: You're listening to a message from The Church at Rutledge. For more information about TCAR, please visit thechurchatrutledge.org. Little children don't understand boundaries that are set up in order to protect them, um, so you have, to, you have to have strict rules and harsh punishments so they, so they begin to learn those boundaries as quickly as possible so they don't run off into the street in, in front of a car or they don't get under the sink and drink something that they shouldn't, okay? I mean, it's a life-or-death issue. And, and so as your child gets older, you, you start to change that a little bit because that doesn't work as well. I guess I was a freshman in high school when my mother tried to spank me the last time. And and she can tell you, okay, I was a freshman, and she went to whack me, and I, I put my hand right there, and her arm hit my arm, and she ended up with a big bruise on her arm, so she didn't do that anymore, okay? So there comes a point where you go, well, that doesn't really work anymore, okay? And, and so you have to do something else. You start to take away things. You ground the child, you know, whatever, you figure out what works. If I take this away or make them stay home or... It, but at first, when, when they're first little children, it's just basic punishment. And it may be severe at first, but, but it's, a, it's a question of, I don't want them to put that fork in the light socket, in the electrical outlet, so I better make sure if I'm going to save their life, the punishment has to be strong enough to get them to understand they can't do that. And as a parent, you're constantly saying, no, don't touch that, don't touch that. Don't say that. Don't do that. You know, it's, it's constantly. And so God had this nation on his hands that was basically a bunch of two-year-olds, okay? Spiritually, morally, uh, just understanding of community. They didn't know right from wrong. They didn't know sin from holy, what was harmful and what was safe. They weren't mature enough on their own in their relationship with God to know when the when God the Father said no it was no and so he had to raise them for the good of the whole world okay you you understand the implications of this nation and where he had to get them from to to accomplish so he had to take them you know come from this pagan nation all the way to to being the ones that would bring about the coming of the Messiah and fulfill the plan. And that's serious stuff. And that was the nature of the, old, of the people of Israel in the Old Testament. That's where it's coming from. They'd never been a community, a nation, or anything else, much less followers of the creator of the universe, right? They had to be taught everything. And I know you're thinking, yeah, but capital punishment for what seems to be insignificant things... Um, now, now, you understand when you read this in the Old Testament, there's really only a few cases it was like that. And I'll address even those at the end of this in a little more detail. But in most cases in the Old Testament, punishment was not immediate death, okay? It, you know, there's maybe like 16 times where you see that this is it really comes about that, it, that it's capital punishment it, is seen as a result of disobedience. And those were for things that would lead to such great problems that the plan may not be accomplished. And so you understand the episodes where it was given are not, are not really insignificant. If, if God is their father and, and is ours as Christians, and we are his children, then earthly biological families are, are kind of a reflection of our relationship to God. And as, as parents, we don't punish for just childish unknowing behavior you know that that is just that that's just childish things that that don't result in those kind of, of physical harm death instances but but you do punish for willful disobedience that leads to serious issues okay because the more serious the crime the more harm it can cause to the child that it can cause to the family that it can cause to the community and to others, and you want that punishment to stand out, right? So that n- not only does it protect those involved and in in that no one is hurt, but the lesson is learned for everyone, even those watching who knows what's going on. So same with the children of Israel in the Old Testament, okay? Note that if you go back and study the stories um, I read at the beginning, those things were uniquely damaging to the, as a, to the society as a whole for the nation of Israel being formed, not just that person, okay? The harm those things would have caused this new nation, the community, was, is, is more dramatic than it seems at just first read. You have to read the whole story, okay? The harm those things would have caused to a new nation, the community that was to be a different nation than all other nations, okay? We're talking about a nation that would be raised up so that all these other nations would look at them and go, that's the people of God. They represent God, okay? Different from all the others. And so these new people, for them to get it right or get it wrong, would have been catastrophic. Um, and, And we're not talking about a people that, God was raising just to make some new invention that makes life better or some medical breakthrough or uh, turn the corner on exploration of the world or or something like that. We're talking about people that he was grooming who would bring about faith in God and announce the Messiah and establish prophecies and miracles and help reveal God to the world and eventually bring about the Messiah and the plan of salvation to the world. Okay, so that's that's you see the difference and what he's doing with these people, go to the world, you know, and, and and reveal all this stuff to be these people, not just any people that would, that the world would, but that the world would know that they're God's people. So the punishment had to stick. It had to change things. and it had to be an example to all. So hopefully you see that. It was for the sake of the entire human race that they get this right. And I get that, Marty, and I understand what's going on there, but the punishment is just way too harsh for a good and loving God. I just, I don't see it really. Now, is that true about God, or is our view of punishment maybe different than what it maybe should be, okay? Or maybe different than what it has been in the past, and our culture is just different about this. And this was great for me to look at and, and do some research and understand this part of this, um but the the way we look at punishment today is drastically different than punishment has been seen in the past even just 200 300 years ago even here okay and the flow of human punishment has been incredibly different up to this point in history um and i don't think anyone could argue although, although they might disagree in a humanitarian sense um that even if 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 we even punish criminals like we did in say colonial America or revolutionary times, we would have far, far, far less crime and far, far, far less drugs and issues than we do today okay i I think we could go, yeah, I think that would be a greater deterrent than you get to go sit in in, in jail and yes it's it's uncomfortable and it's not fun and it's not supposed to be um. But today, you, you go to jail for a long period of time, and, it's, and you're, you're fed, and you watch TV. And the, yes, there's uncomfortable things about it as well. But, but when you compare that to way, the way things were, the way criminals are punished today is, is unreal and unheard of in the past. You know, people from the past would say that we were cruel for putting people in prison for such a long period of time. They would say, that, that's just too harsh because of the mindset of how things were. They would say it's not humane and most cruel. In the past, it's always been, okay, you, you might be imprisoned, but it's just up to the time of your trial. Found innocent, you're let go. Found guilty, you're punished, and then released. Guilty, punished, released. That's it. Punish according to the crime and let them go. Again, like colonial America, when you look at it, it, it it's, it's our culture, um, but when you're looking at colonial America, revolutionary times, no long-term prisons, okay? Only in jail until the trial, like I said, innocent trial turned loose, if not. But, but the punishment met the crimes in the minds of the people, and then you were released, okay? Um, if you were caught stealing, Okay, and I can't, sorry, I can't help it, but the James Addiction song goes through my mind every time I say that, um, been caught stealing. Okay, sorry, some of you are going, who in the world is that? I'm sorry, 80s, 90s kid, and it just happens. Um, but if you were caught stealing, um, you were branded on your right hand. Here's a picture. You would get branded on your right hand. Um, that's not the Go Vols power tee, Okay. Although you're like, that's cool, I'm getting that tattoo, okay, you don't want that, okay? That was branded on your right hand to show that you were a thief, okay? If you're found to be a thief, you're pulled out, branded on your hand right there, and you're let go, okay? So, and and it, was a, it was a public thing to let people know what you had done, okay? People could look at your hand and know, hey, you, you've done that in the past. If you were a second offender, they'd put one on your left hand, okay? And so that's what that that happened. And so you could be branded M for murderer. You you could be, um, if allowed to pay restitution for the murder, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, R for rogue or vagabond, F for forger, uh, A for adultery, you know, letters of all kinds for crimes um, that were committed, okay? So you get branded and you let go, okay? Um, I love this one, okay, if you're having marital problems, okay, you could be put in a a chair, it's called a ducking stool, okay, and what they would do, this is just a ducking stool for one person, taken to a lake or river or pond or whatever, and they would have this beam and there's a chair on the end, if you're having marital problems, they'd put two chairs back to back and put you and your wife there, okay. And it swing you out over it and dunk you, dunk you in the water until you guys worked it out, right? Okay? Isn't that wonderful? This is my new marital counseling technique. We have Cherokee Lake, okay? So anyone who would like to sign up, um, um, I can take you over and show you the spot, and you can make an appointment if you'd like. And, and us and the deacons will help you take care of that, get things worked out very quickly, Okay? Um so so that was a ducking stool. Uh if you were caught gossiping or slandering, you could have a what's called a brank put on your head, okay? I think that would keep you from doing it anymore, okay? Uh I don't know how long you had to have that cage on your head, but um a cage that marks you, people saw, oh, they've been gossiping, they've been slandering someone and and so um and it restrained you from from doing that anymore. Okay, pretty effective. Um, then there's the drunkard's cloak, which you've always wondered where in the world this came from. But there's the drunkard's cloak. It's a barrel with the armholes and over your head and the neck hole. It's kind of hard to get a something up there when you got your arms through a barrel. But you'd have to walk through town wearing that, and uh, uh, evidently kids made fun of you. Okay, they thought it was funny. They might even push you over and roll you down the street. I don't know. <laughs> um, but the, and and this. This really happened. Okay, this is really the way it was. Um, And then you could be pilloried. Anybody remember what that is? You know, the the thing where you put your head through and your your arms. Um, In some cases, they may have even nailed your ears to the wood. Okay? This could be for treason or arson, uh, perjury, wife beating, cheating, and more. Depends on what, what you did. But punishment was public. It was carried out in front of others to teach not just that person, but the people watching and to teach society the, the penalty for doing that and that you don't want to do that, but they would carry that out, and then they were released, okay? Only now, in the last couple hundred years, maybe even not that long, would we say that these kind of things were, were completely wrong or inhumane, okay? Okay? used to be the crime committed against people, listen to what I'm saying, because our our society has done a big pendulum swing, uh, only now would we say that those things are completely wrong and inhumane, But the, but that the crimes committed against people used to be more grievous and monitored than how the criminal was punished. The pain received by the the crime on the victim was grieved more and and more important than the criminal's punishment and that being inhumane. But we don't think that's fair. See, we're looking at this going, that doesn't seem fair. But we're not thinking about what it did to the other person and what it did to society. And if you let that go, what that does to people. And it just becomes rampant. And all of a sudden, it's just culture is affected by it. We don't think it's fair, especially if we think that kind of punishment comes from God himself. And that's the issue for us, isn't it, when we read Scripture and when we think about these things. Think about this to yourself. Do you think there are times when punishment is needed? Just think to yourself. I think we would all agree, yes, there are times when punishment is needed for things done wrong, okay? Okay, so the question becomes, if God exists, okay, I'll just, I think he does, okay, but I'm just, hypothetically, if, maybe if you don't, do you believe if, if God exists as the creator of all things, and as the rightful judge of all things, that he has the right to punish for, as he sees fit, for crimes that are committed within his created order? Okay. Do you believe if God exists as the creator of all things and the rightful judge of all things, that he has the right to punish as he sees fit for crimes committed within his created order? We all think punishment is, is, is needed, but do we think God has that right to do that as he sees fit? Well, I would say Yes. So when he does, and we see that in Scripture, then why do we get so shocked and taken back and caught off guard by it? Is it perhaps that we ourselves desire or want to sit over God in judgment of him and make judgment ourselves over his actions? Is that appropriate? And do we think... We know justice and what that is more than God does. Maybe that's the the deeper root issue, is we just think we know better than God how this should all play out and how it should be done. And we need to rule over God about what is good and what is not good, as though we have that capacity even to rule as God. But, but let's move on. That's, that's just to get that into your head and understand, um, you know, because you go, well, that's Old Testament. You know, there's that whole thing. But maybe we see a little better about what is going on and what God is doing now and understanding that. But But if that were the Old Testament, then what about the New Testament and Jesus? Why don't we see that there? You know, people would say that. You see that in the Old Testament, but Jesus was just so loving and kind and healed people and did all that. Why don't we see that? Do these, do these punishments fit now? And does God do that now? Well, it did at the start of the early church. I mean, when you look at the early church, it, it, there, you know, in Acts 5, two people died because they lied about some money and didn't give enough money that they were supposed to give and, and they fell dead. We'll be taking up an offering at the end of today. Just keep that in mind, okay? Um, you will want to be a cheerful gi- giver, okay? I'm just kidding, okay? Um, th- there was a little of this at the start of the church. Actually, in colonial America, to go back to this, I was reading in one thing that talked about how in some colonies there would be guys assigned, like there'd be four guys assigned to make sure you were in church on Sunday. They would scour the town, and if you were caught not in church and laying at home and caught out of church, these guys would... Common punishment would be carried out. Okay, um, I think it's interesting. We have four deacons. That's interesting. Um, anyway, I'm just joking. People, everybody's like, really? Okay, th- they did that then. Okay, um, but th- but you saw these things a-, a little at the start of of the early church, but then it drastically changed. And I won't I won't get into a lot of uh, of all that because there's a whole nother Deal about miracles in the Bible and how all that happened chronologically, and how, how I view that uh, according to Scripture. But the, the Old Testament basically is how people, if you remember, handled the relationship with God before Christ. And the New Testament is how to have a relationship with God now after Christ has been crucified and resurrected after he came. Remember, the New Testament uh, or New Covenant doesn't replace the Old Testament or Old Covenant, it's the fulfilling of that covenant or the will of God, or, or its agreement of God with, with people, okay? And the Old Testament pointed to the coming of the Messiah and what would happen. And the New Testament is all that, it, that, that, that is happening, you know, Christ, looking back at Christ came, and then since then all the way to Revelation and the, the fulfilling of all those things. And the, the Old Testament and the law is there to prepare people for the coming of the Messiah so once Jesus came and, and we have the New Testament, the question becomes, do we just throw out the Old Testament? No, it still stands, but must be read in light of its fulfillment and, and in the New Testament and the, and the revelation that it gives to the Old Testament. Okay? Um, you really can't, now that we have both, you, you really can't, living when we live, you can't really read one without the other and have a complete picture of God and what He intends for us today, okay? Does the law apply? Okay, listen to what I'm going to say here. Does the law apply? Yes, it's a timeless standard and thinking for the moral righteousness of God and what He expects from us. It, it enlightens us to what holy really means. It gives us a, a foundation for moral theological Doctrinal truths and principles. All the law applies us to, to applies to us today, but listen. But none of it applies apart from the fulfillment in Christ. Okay. In in His uh, coming about completion of things, like for example, um, when you look at the Sabbath. Old Testament, you have the Sabbath. New Testament, it, it describes our rest in God and that Jesus is now our Sabbath rest. Okay? He is the completion of that. Okay? And that's a simple example. It gets more complex when you look closely at the law and what it says and what Christ says. But it shows you how this works. There's the letter of the law and there's the spirit of the law. Like Matthew 5, 17 and 18 says this. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Okay? So that's what's going on. Then after saying that, in the same, in the same flow, same talk he's talking, he goes on to say, to say that. After saying um the Old Testament, he starts into this deal of going, you know, you've heard the Old Testament say, and then it'd say something, and it'd say, but I say this, okay? And, and he starts to show that he is the fulfillment, is the completion, and explain how it now works in him, okay? Now now the Holy Spirit guides the deal, not the law, Okay? And so Matthew 5, like 38 through 41, he says, You have heard it said, eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Okay? He quotes Old Testament there of of eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, Exodus 21 and uh, Leviticus 24, Deuteronomy 19, which gives the rule of eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth, hand for a hand, foot for a foot, wound for a wound, uh, way of punishment. That was the way you handled private scuffles between you and someone else, okay? Um, You didn't do it yourself to exact revenge, okay? You go to court... And this is the way private scuffles were handled. They made sure it was equal for equal, okay? Because what happens with people? People want to take hand, foot, and eye for an eye, okay? And you see this, you know this, because what happens when someone hurts you? Do, do you just hurt them equally back? We don't want to do that, do we? They hurt me, so I'm really going to hurt them. I'm going to hurt, hurt them, if you remember that, saying it twice, right? I'm going to hurt, hurt them. You know, they said this me about me, so I'm going to say this, this, and this, and this about them, okay? We can't just do equal. we got to go above. They hurt me, I'll show them, right? They stole this from me, I'm, really, I'm going to financially ruin them, right? That's, that's in us, right? And that's what was going on then, was, was that kind of deal. So God had to come in and go, whoa, 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 okay? Eye for an eye, tooth for tooth. Go to court. Don't handle this yourselves because you're sinful. You will not do this properly. And so God was telling them, don't have these private feuds because my people can't get into that. We don't need to be, show that kind of thing to the world. It's equal for equal, okay? Then Jesus comes along and says, hey, You've heard it said, equal for equal, and you do this when, when it gets between you and a person. But he says, I come and I have fulfilled that, and punishment must happen. But, but here's what you understand. When it comes to that thing, I've actually paid for it. So not only do you res- not restrain to equal punishment for the crime, but he says, you really don't even have to retaliate at all. In fact, you can be kind to them and point them to, to me, is what Jesus says. You don't have to harbor hate and unforgiveness. It, you don't have to pay back wrong for wrong. In fact, now that I've come, what that really is, was pointing to and getting you to is that now you can pay back right for wrong. Isn't that a wonderful way to do things? But then he would go on to explain more, Matthew 5, 27, 28. You have heard it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you, anyone who looks on a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So he says, yeah, hey, that's correct. Don't commit adultery. You shouldn't do that, okay? But Jesus comes and goes further, okay? He says, it's not just something that happens physically out here. It's in your heart, okay? Okay? None of it is a contradiction. He's not contradicting and saying, no, that's not right. He's just bringing it to its fullest expression and application. But even in the Old Testament, Testament, there was always flowing when you you looked at this, because you look at that and go, man, that's beautiful, that's wonderful. I like that a whole lot better. But when you look back at the Old Testament, you will actually see this river of grace and mercy flowing even in those times then. It, it is the same God he was he's all it's always been present even then you think that the Old Testament God was so harsh, even in this idea of punishment, there was this idea of paying that penalty another way. There was a thing called a ransom even back then for the crime okay exodus twenty one look at this it it explains it in there exodus twenty one twenty eight through thirty says if a bull some Translations say ox, but if a bull gores a man or woman to death, the bull is to be stoned to death and its meat must not be eaten. But the owner of the bull will not be held responsible, okay? So if this is first offense for your bull, okay? If, however, the bull has had the habit of goring and the owner has been warned, so if this has happened before and you know your bull is that way and he's, okay, but has not kept it pinned up and it kills a man or woman. It happens again. The bull is to be stoned and its owner also is to be put to death. Okay? However, if payment is demanded by the person's relatives, the dead person's relatives, the owner may redeem his life by the payment of whatever is demanded. You see that? there's a ransom. There is an entire sermon series right there in that, just that, those passages, okay? So I hope you caught the main idea about the bull and its actions and redemption. For, for having something that caused death to someone, negligent homicide, punishable by death, a person could offer up a ransom for his life, okay? Payment could be made. Isn't that amazing? Of all things in the Old Testament, the only case where this was not permitted was in premeditated murder. Okay? Everywhere else, there's a ransom allowed. Okay? Even with harsh punishment in the Old Testament, ransom, mercy, was there. You can't dismiss and not see the love of God in the Old Testament and just wonder why was he so harsh? It's not fair. But, but you see, yes, fair, justice, and yet mercy available. And, and you know what's amazing? When you, when you think about that and when you understand throughout Scripture this picture of God and His love and what He's bringing about for us, and you see that, that mercy and that ransom in the Old Testament, and then you see These things happen in the New Testament. It's amazing that Jesus fulfilled that law too that we just talked about. The ultimate ransom paid by Jesus on the cross when we deserved the death penalty. It's all through scripture. It's all about Jesus. It all points to him. It all talks of our relationship with him. It's a loving, good God. It's a holy, just God with love and mercy through the whole thing. It's a good God through the whole thing. I mean, look at First Timothy 2, 3 through 6. It says, this is good and pleases God, okay? And and we know that God does whatever he pleases. Job 23, Psalm 115, Psalm 135 tells us that God does that. It, one, one verse says, it uh, uh, talks about this. There, there's a place where it talks about God sitting above the circle of the earth and, and making things happen, Okay? It's interesting that science and the Bible don't contradict each other. You think these people that thought the earth was flat would have just read the Bible and saw that it was a circle because the Bible told us that, right? Okay? This is good and pleases God, our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God, he's the same, Old Testament through the New Testament. One God and one mediator between God and mankind. The man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. This has now been witnessed at the proper time. Death penalty due, but there's Jesus. And there's the fulfillment of that law of we deserve death, but Jesus pays for the ransom for us. Hebrews 9, 11 through 15 says this, But when Christ came as high priest of the good things that are now already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not made with human hands. You see the reference of Old Testament to New Testament, the tabernacle and the sacrificial system, and now Jesus coming? That is to say, is not a part of this creation. He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy Place once for all by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of heifer of a heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean, sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences? From acts that lead to death, so that we may serve the living God. Not just that we're forgiven, but that we get this new life where we get to serve God and be a part of what He's doing in the world. And we have this great purpose and this great identity and and, and, and this great fulfillment of who we were created to be, okay? So many people are like, I'm just trying to find myself. I've got to go find myself, Okay. Well, the God who made you knows who you are. You'll find it in Him, okay? He made you for a reason. For this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant that those who are called may may receive the promised eternal inheritance now that He has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant, under the law, okay? Okay? Christ came, and the scriptures say, to give his life as a ransom for many. Because here is the really hard part of all this. Uh, The really hard part we have to come to a place of understanding on is, and come to terms with, is that the punishment and the stuff we see in, in the Bible and, and, and those things that God carries out in, in light of that, it's, it's not the whole issue. There's this unavoidable fact about all of that punishment in that we all deserve it. We all deserve death, okay? We all deserve the death penalty. All of us. All those in the Old Testament and us. Okay? The toughest punishment verse of the Bible is not in the Old Testament. It's in the New Testament. It's Romans 6.23 which tells us, For the wages of sin is death. But there's this wonderful part that comes with that in God's mercy that you see all through Scripture that says, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see His holiness and His justice and His righteousness, and you see His love and His mercy and His grace. You earned death. What are wages? You've done something and you earn something for it, your wages. You earned death for what you've done, for your sin and we are guilty and yet God created us and loves us and wants us to be in relationship with him yet our sin demands a payment there's no question about it we we can't look at God and say oh he's so terrible no it's it's our sin and what we've done and and we've offended him and there's crimes against him we we are enemies of him if if we're either of God the Father or the, or, or the devil is our father. Okay, there's, there's no in-between, okay? It's the very nature of God. It cannot be ignored, or he would not be just and loving. Your sin demands payment, and that can't be, be ignored. But also, he can't ignore his love, or that would cause him... To cease to be God. So what does he do? He he could look down and look at all of us and this this whole see all of us committing idolatry and and spiritual adultery and, and just he could just punish away and just kill us all. And he would be right in doing so. But no, he comes himself and pays for the sin so we can be redeemed. He pays our ransom because he loves us. He shouldered all the sin of the world, the murder, the hate, the the adultery, the rape, and worse. Yet justice met mercy and love flowed, and God gave us salvation through Jesus Christ and the ability to be with Him again. And so I would say, as as you look at this truly, because we often just take little pieces out and paint God in any way that we want to, I mean, don't you want that with the God who made you? If if he's, if he's there and he exists, I believe he does. I've seen it. I understand. Somebody was asking me some questions about the Bible this over the past week. And what about this and this and this? And what do you believe about this? And given your position on this, and I, I just got the point where I just said, hey, I sent the text yesterday. I said, well, I know I'm saved, and that's about it. Okay? That's about where I've got. You know, we'd gone through this conversation so much that I was like, I, I I can be sure about that part, okay. But, and that part we can be sure about. You, you can know that right now. It's not that punishment was dished out by God. Um, When you read the Bible, it's it's a God who provides mercy and grace and lets us be set free by Jesus. It's really amazing grace really is. And if you levy a, so harsh a judgment toward God that he punished sin in the Bible, if you're sitting there going, man, that was harsh, then can you not put the same weight of thinking on his mercy and grace to go, wow, that was he's really just and holy. And you may not like that, but you have to give equal weight to his mercy and grace and go, but wow, look at that. You can't just take that away and just be left with this and go, I'm judging you, God. If you're going to judge him, you've got to look at all of it. Okay? It's really amazing grace. God is, is a good God. He knows what justice is, but loves and gives mercy. None of us have yet to face the punishment we deserve. None of us have to face the punishment we deserve and the invitation is open you can be under the law and it's punishment or under Christ and his payment for your sin and be set free to be with him forever so will you accept that invitation that gift today of his salvation for your sin it's very simple to do it's it's not really something that you do it's, it's a realization and accepting of what he's done for you it's going along, and maybe today you're going, I, yeah, I've been Lord of my own life, thinking I'm in charge, judging God, and thinking how awful He is in life, and why is He doing this to me, or whatever you're thinking may be. But, but yet I, I see that I, I am sinful, and that I have offended a holy God, that I can't be in His presence with, with the way that I am, with my sin, and wanting my own way. So I, you do this thing called repent. You just turn to him, you go, I see God for who he is today. I I realize his holiness and his justice, but I see his love and his mercy and grace. So I turn to him and I want Jesus to be Lord of my life. And I give myself to him best I know how right now. And I turn from my sin and I want to live the way he says to live because I know that's best. And I want to experience his love and his mercy and grace in my life. It's that easy. And So I will just ask you with heads bowed and eyes closed, and Tyler's going to come up and just play for us for a little bit, but I want to give you time to respond to God and His invitation to be His child. You know, a lot of people say, well, we're all God's children. No, we're not. Okay, the Bible doesn't teach that. It's only those who have been redeemed by the blood of Christ that are children of God, that He adopts you into His family and calls you a son or daughter. You get to be a son or daughter of the king, an heir with Christ. And so right where you're sitting, you just say, best I know how right now, I I just give myself to to you, God. Just have that conversation. It's not a magic prayer you repeat after me. God, if he's calling you, you feel that tap on your shoulder, you feel that drawing inside, you, you feel that pressure. That's him just saying, come to me. Come to me. I love you. I want you to be with me forever. I want to teach you how to, how to have a relationship with me, how to live in this world with peace, even though it's messed up, and one day you'll be with me forever. And so you just have that conversation. That's what prayer is. You have a conversation with him. For the rest of you that would say, well, Marty, I'm, I have that. I'm like you. I know one thing. I'm, I'm, I've received salvation through Jesus Christ in light of what we've talked about today maybe for you it's to decision-